At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets. Here is Adam Burke. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome into this edition of VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets. I'm your host, Adam Burke. We're going to talk some National League here as we continue to get ready for opening day coming up on Thursday. If you missed it, Monday's edition of the podcast was a preview of the American League. Fit in all 30 teams in about 30 or so minutes. So gave you some initial thoughts, kind of a Cliff Notes version, I would say, of the junior circuit. Now we'll talk about the senior circuit. And then on Wednesday's show, give you some general baseball betting tips, kind of a how-to as we get ready for opening day, which, as I mentioned, on Thursday. Uh, feels like it's come very, very quickly. I'm sure the players are eager to get out of spring training and get to games that really matter. But all 30 teams in action on Thursday, which is a good reminder that every Monday through Saturday over at vcin.com, I'll be doing my daily MLB article that'll have picks, best bets, all that good stuff. But also, I'll talk a little bit about some of the games that I don't have plays on. But some of the things I am looking at, kind of some breakdowns of the starting pitchers, try to help you kind of formulate a profile for these teams and for some of these starters early on in the year so that you know maybe we're not taking them in April, but maybe we see something in May, June, July, and so on to help us cash some tickets. So that's what I'll be doing with that daily article Monday through Saturday over at vcin.com. And vcin daily baseball bets will be Monday through Friday. So you can get that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, whatever else is out there to get your podcast content. Not a whole lot of news to update here, so let's go ahead and dive in with a look at the National League for the upcoming season. And I'll start, as I did in the American League, with the East Division and begin with the Atlanta Braves. Season win total 94.5. They are the plus 105 favorite to win the National League East Division. Plus 750 for the World Series, plus 370 for the National League pennant. Interesting decision already here from the Atlanta Braves. Vaughn Grissom, who came up at the end of last season, uh, sent down to the minors. He will start this year in AAA. They'll go with our Orlando Arcia at short instead of Grissom. A little bit of a surprise. I don't think it necessarily alters any sort of projection for this Atlanta Braves team. Should have a full season of a healthy Ronald Acuna Jr. 
obviously missed the start of last year, coming back off the torn ACL, never really seemed to fully settle in. I mean, he only hit 15 home runs over 533 plate appearances. He had 24 in 360 PAs in 2021 and 14 in 202 PAs in the shortened 2020 season. So you would expect a bounce back from Acuna. Matt Olson should be good. Austin Riley's a 40 homer guy now, reigning NL Rookie of the Year, Michael Harris on this roster. And of course, they pick up Sean Murphy from the A's in that big offseason deal. There are some questions about the starting rotation, I think. Max Fried and Spencer Strider at the top are outstanding. Looks like Jared Schuster is going to be one of the guys that makes the rotation alongside Charlie Morton. They do have some injury concerns. Kyle Wright slowed by shoulder fatigue. Uh, they'll be without Huascar Enoa throughout the course of the season. He had Tommy John surgery. Michael Soroka still not fully back yet. And look, I, I think that this Braves team, fortunately, they have a lot of bullpen depth and they have a lot of guys capable of going multiple innings like a Jesse Chavez, who's been, you know, a rubber arm guy throughout the course of his career. So I think this is a very solid Braves team was going to bet them to win the division. And then the Edwin Diaz injury happened. And we saw a massive reduction in the in the Mets' win total. They dropped three wins in terms of their season win total odds, dropped to plus 170, at least at DraftKings, to win the NL East. So at this point, I don't think there's a whole lot of equity in betting on the Braves. I kind of hope that the Mets get off to a hot start. Maybe the Braves are a little bit slow out of the gate. But I will be looking for buy signs on Atlanta to win this division as the season goes along because I do think this is still the best team in the National League East. But certainly, the starting rotation has a few concerns. Not really many concerns for the Mets rotation. Season win total 91.5, plus 170, as I mentioned, to win the NL East, plus 950 over at DraftKings Sportsbook to win the World Series, plus 475 to win the National League pennant. Obviously, a lot to like about this team. You know, Stephen Cohen has shown that spending money doesn't really matter to him, he's just out there in the quest for a World Series. So you've got Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander both making over $40 million a year in this rotation. They went to Japan and got Kodai Senga, which I think will be a really interesting ad. He throws hard. He's got a nasty splitter. Could be, look, it, it's hard for a pitcher to win rookie of the year, especially a 30-year-old one coming over from Japan where he was an established professional. But this guy could be unhittable as the season goes along. So he's definitely a name to watch. I really like David Peterson as well. And the tough thing about these good teams with good starters, you got to try to find guys that maybe you can bet on at a little bit of a discounted price. David Peterson may be one of them. So that's a guy I may look to bet on on days when I do like the Mets. They bring back Brandon Nimmo. He had the uh, the little knee thing in spring training. He seems no worse for the wear. Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, Starling Marte, Jeff McNeil. Great lineup here for the Mets. Decent bench depth as well. Great starting rotation. The bullpen is undoubtedly a concern without Edwin Diaz. You've got David Robertson and Adam Adovino, guys on the wrong side of 37 years old in high leverage roles. I kind of get concerned about that sort of thing, but it is hard to find fault with this rotation or this lineup for the Mets. I think at this point, it may be worth an over 91 and a half. I don't know that I'm going to bet it, but it feels like the market way over adjusted for the Edwin Diaz injury. And I get it. He's an elite reliever. But you can kind of cobble some things together during the season and then fill those needs once you get to the trade deadline. Next up here on the list, the Philadelphia Phillies. Season win total 88 and a half, plus 425 to win the East, 18 to 1 to win the World Series, 9 to 1 to win the National League. 
I will say I'm not super high on this team. I, I do think that their win total is a little bit high at this point in time. Haven't bet the under yet, but most places are 88 and a half under minus 120. That may ultimately be a bet for me over the next 48 hours or so before the season gets going. Because as great as Trey Turner is, you know, Kyle Schwarber, I, I really don't expect another 40 homer season out of him. They'll be missing Bryce Harper until the All-Star break. They're without Reese Hoskins for the year. Nick Castellanos, maybe he bounces back, but if he doesn't, this is maybe an average at best lineup. And JT Real Muto is obviously a great catcher, one of the best offensive catchers in the game, but the rest of this lineup leaves a lot to be desired. They're still not a great defensive team, especially in the outfield, where you've got Castellanos, baby giraffing out there. Brandon Marsh is pretty good in center field, but still just not a huge fan of this outfield defense. One injury update, potentially, from Tuesday, actually. Taiwan Walker, in his final spring training tune-up, velocity down about three miles per hour across the board. So maybe he's just holding back. Maybe there's something more. That'll be a situation worth monitoring as we head into the season here. Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler are great. Maybe the best one-two punch, perhaps outside of Scherzer and Verlander for the Mets. But with Aaron Nola not agreeing to a contract extension prior to the season, he will be the best available starter at the trade deadline if the Phillies end up being sellers. Maybe Corbin Burns of Milwaukee would be a little bit more sought after, but Nola would be a rental player, would come at a cheaper prospect cost than Burns, who's still arbitration eligible next year. So Nola could net them a pretty nice return if they opted to go that route, but they'd have to be out of it to some degree in July for that to be a possibility. But the depth in this rotation is very questionable. I do like the bullpen a lot more than last year, though. Uh, they bring in Craig Kimbrell. They bring in Gregory Soto, two really quality arms. Sir Anthony Dominguez and Jose Alvarado, both really solid relievers. So the bullpen is better, and that was ultimately the biggest issue for the Phillies in the first half. They corrected it at the trade deadline and, of course, go on and win the National League, losing the World Series in six games. So I understand why there's a, a certain amount of love for the Phillies, but I don't necessarily think this team is better than last year's team, especially with Harper and Hoskins out. And last year's team only won 87 games. They got hot at the absolute right time. So thinking the Phillies under may end up making my dance card here by the time games start on opening day. If nothing else, you know, now it's, it's tough to find these in Vegas, but the legal U.S. books out there across the country do in-season win totals. So, you know, that's something where if injuries kind of pop up or, you know, a team's best guys just aren't performing, you know, there are some opportunities to jump in as the season's going along. The Miami Marlins, season win total 76 and a half, 75 to 1 to win the World Series, 20 to 1 to win the East. Uh, that will not be a thing that happens for the Marlins this year, I don't think. They got Luis Arias, and I, I, he's certainly a nice offensive piece, especially when you consider that, you know, with the rule changes for this year, he puts a ton of balls in play. And without the shift, you would think that a guy who's, you know, a 300, 310, 315 hitter may even wind up doing a little bit better. So he's a nice table center at the top of the order for this team. We'll see if Jazz Chisholm Jr. is able to stay healthy. But the rest of the lineup is uninspiring at best. I mean, maybe Jorge Soler hits for a bit of power, but they have several guys that they could move here at the trade deadline, try to get some prospect capital out of them, which is probably not a bad idea for this team with how it's currently situated. 
they do have some guys like a John Birdie, for example, who you know, the new rules kind of benefit him. If he can get on base, he will steal a lot of bases. There's no doubt about that. But other than that, this is not a particularly strong defensive team. And as I've talked about with some other teams here during these preview episodes, and as I talked about on the Megapod with Gil Alexander, Paul Sporer, and, and Jason Weingarten, you know, some teams are just better equipped for these rule changes than others. And I don't think that the Marlins really are. You know, they, they do have some guys with high strikeout rates. They're not a very good defensive team. So I don't really like the composition of this position player group. The starters are great. I mean, Sandy Alcantara, reigning NL Cy Young Award winner, Jesus Lazardo, elite level stuff. We'll see if the command comes around. Edward Cabrera's got great stuff. Trevor Rogers, great raw stuff. Johnny Cueto, kind of the savior of last season for the White Sox rotation. This is a great rotation. But I don't love the bullpen, and I don't love the lineup, and I think this team loses a lot of 3-2, to 4-2 to two types of games here throughout the course of the season. So I took under 76.5 with the Marlins. They haven't gotten 277 wins in the last six seasons, obviously one of them being the COVID year. I just don't think this is the year. And, and despite you know some of my reservations about the Phillies, they're still you know one of the higher win totals in the National League. The Braves are the second highest. The Mets are up there. You know, as the as the fourth highest. So this is still a tough division for the Marlins, and they get six fewer games against the Nationals, who might as well talk about them for a minute here. Have a season win total of 59 and a half, 500 to one to win the World Series. That's a couple zeros short. This is a bad team. This is the lowest win total in the market, understandably so. They've got some guys that I think they're kind of hoping show some flashes in the pan this year that they can trade for some prospects. But when you look at the Nationals, and I wrote about this in one of my 30-team previews over at vcin.com, and then Washington preview, I just, you know, they, they don't do a good job on the player development side. They've had to bring in a lot of free agents. It's been a lot of plug-and-play in that regard. They've had to trade for guys, you know, whether those are MLB-ready prospects or just trade their own prospects to get some help while they were in that competitive window of theirs. But I, I don't really love what this team does from a player development standpoint. And now you run into a situation where you don't have Juan Soda anymore. You don't have Trey Turner anymore. You know, you don't have Anthony Rendon anymore. Not that he's the same player he was, but he was an elite hitter for several years for this Washington team. You don't have, you know, a Ryan Zimmerman anymore. You got a lot of guys that you're hoping and praying as opposed to proven dudes that have been consistently good. So I don't like a whole lot about this Nationals team at all. Um, Cade Cavalli would have been interesting in the rotation, but he has to have Tommy John surgery. Patrick Corbin is just, uh, and a lot of people love to bet overs against Patrick Corbin, team total overs, stuff like that. I see no reason why that changes this season. If Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore are good, that's great. And the Nationals may avoid 100 losses, but there's not a whole lot to write home about with this Washington team. Didn't do anything with their win total uh, or any of their futures odds, nothing for most losses or anything like that. But this team, Looks very, very bad on paper. Moving over to the National League Central here. Cardinals, 88.5 is their season win total. They are minus 125 to win the National League Central division. Hard to argue with that. I mean, when you look up and down this team, and they did decide to keep 20-year-old Jordan Walker, who will play outfield in DH a little bit for them, a guy with definitely big upside, definitely one of those guys getting a lot of buzz in the NL Rookie of the Year market. But you just look up and down this group. I mean, there are no weaknesses with this lineup at all whatsoever. And, and the bench depth is pretty good as well. 
And even though I think Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado do regress a little bit off of the paces that they were on last season, other guys will pick up the slack, you know, and, and you've got a guy like Nolan Gorman, you know, another year in the league, Dylan Carlson, another younger player with another year in the league, just an elite lineup, elite player development, remarkably consistent. The Cardinals have one losing season since 2000. One. I think they made the playoffs 16 or 17 times in that span. They are just remarkably consistent. And I don't expect it to be any different this season. I will say there are some questions with the starting rotation, certainly, especially because you have a lot of pitch-to-contact guys now in this new post-shift environment. But defensively, arguably no team in baseball is better than the Cardinals. They are a phenomenal defensive team. So they're pretty well-equipped in a lot of ways for these rule changes where you know, they, everyone will be hurt across the board without the shift, but some teams will be hurt a lot more than others. And I don't think the Cardinals are one of them because they're so good defensively. So yeah, a lot of pitch to contact guys, some injury questions with Jack Flaherty and Steven Matz, but nobody in this division is all that good. Uh, So even if the Cardinals maybe stay under 88 and a half, I think they're still plenty capable of winning this division. Milwaukee Brewers season went total 85 and a half plus 175 to win the central 35 to one for the world series here. And, you know, I talked about this on Monday's show with the Rays. I give the benefit of the doubt to the really smart teams that are out there. And some teams are just way smarter than others. The Brewers are a team financially. It's very difficult for them. I believe it's the smallest or second smallest market of the 30 Major League Baseball teams. And when you think about their TV market, the proximity to Minneapolis and Chicago doesn't really give them a ton of reach, at least not to you know major populated areas. So they've kind of had to thread the needle of trying to spend as wisely as possible while also focusing a lot on the player development side. And they've done an excellent job of it. They've done a really, really good job of it. Last year, they had a big power uptick. I don't know about the sustainability of that going from last year to this year. I don't know how the ball is going to play a lot of unknowns in that regard, but when you look around at at the teams that will benefit from, you know, the, the post shift world and the pitch clock and all these types of things, there are teams that put a lot of balls in play and can generate havoc on the base pads. And you don't really see a lot of that for the brewers. They are very dependent on hitting the long ball. If they do it this season, they could meet or surpass expectations. If they don't, I think a decline is in order for this team. And it's tough to say because you've got Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, another really good one-two punch. And and as I mentioned earlier, Burns could be available here at the trade deadline. But Eric Lauer, not 100% sold on him. Freddie Peralta, a guy who was limited last year. Wade Miley, a guy who's been hurt a lot as well. And this bullpen just isn't as strong as bullpens that we've seen in the past from the Brewers. Aaron Ashby getting hurt doesn't help. Adrian Hauser also on the injured list, so their starting pitcher depth has taken a little bit of a hit here already. They do have three top 100 prospects in the outfield. So this is a team where I do think if they can reshuffle the deck a little bit on the fly and maybe trade some guys away and and kind of, you know, fill some depth needs with on the pitching side, something like that, They could do that. And of course, we saw them last year try to thread that needle of contending and, you know, filling holes with the Josh Hader trade and the Hader trade backfired. 
It sent negative ripples throughout the clubhouse. Could have been the reason why they missed the playoffs. This is a season where, you know, you could see Corbin Burns get traded. You know, you could see a more popular player get moved, something like that. So we'll see what happens. But I I don't get a lot of positive vibes from the Brewers here for this upcoming season. So didn't bet it, but I had a pretty strong lean towards under 85 and a half, which is interesting to me because they're a team that I have liked for the most part over the last several seasons. A team I do like, a season win total I do like here, the Chicago Cubs. Their season win total is 77 and a half, plus 650 to win the Central, 90 to 1 to win the World Series here. And I talked about this on Follow the Money on Monday morning. What I really like about the Cubs is that they took the best parts of last year's team, Nico Horner, Ian Happ, Patrick Wisdom, guys that performed offensively, and just surrounded them with a bunch of capable major league talent. So the big prize was Dansby Swanson, who came over from the Braves, but you get a Trey Mancini, you know, a 20, 25 homer guy who kind of to some degree on a prove it deal after a couple of down years for him. Cody Bellinger, very much on a prove it deal. Eric Hosmer, a guy that other teams are paying the Cubs for him to play for them. Edwin Rios, who just couldn't crack a loaded Dodgers lineup. Tucker Barnhart, good defensive catcher, longtime major leaguer. You know, they've got a lot of guys in that lineup that have had average or better seasons. And when you call somebody an average player in a lot of sports, it sounds like a negative, right? It sounds like you're kind of downplaying or downgrading that guy to say he's average. Well, when you look around Major League Baseball, whether you're using WAR or WRC+, Weighted Runs Created+, Plus, where 100 is league average, anything below means you're a below average hitter, anything above means you're an above average hitter, there are a lot of below average hitters in Major League Baseball. And the Cubs had a lot of below average guys last year. If these guys with Major League track records bounce back, and I think some of them will, all of a sudden this lineup looks really different. And you've got a rotation now where Hayden Wisniewski made it. That's a huge upgrade for them. Jamison Tyon comes over from the Yankees. He's a solid, you know, 3-4 type of guy. I love Justin Steele. Marcus Stroman is what he is, and we'll see how he does in the post-shift world. They improve the bullpen, and some of their fringy starters are now relievers as well. So I think this bullpen could be really good, actually. I like the rotation. I like the lineup. I like the Cubs, over 77 and a half here. And to be fair, I will say I was on over 74 and a half last year, and they didn't get there. Um, but you know, this was a team that played a lot better in the second half than it played in the first half. And, and I thought there would be kind of a transitional period, you know, because when you look at this Chicago Cubs team, they had a lot of new faces. They were coming out of, you know, kind of losing everybody. Chris Bryant, Carl, Kyle Schwarber, Javier Baez, all these types of guys that took them on that World Series run. And it was only the, you know, really third season for David Ross where, you know, he's a young manager and and a guy that I think the players kind of had to get acclimated to. And I think maybe that happens this year. Three-win improvement from 2021 to 2022. If we get a four-win improvement this year, they go over their win total, and I think that's very much possible for the Cubs. So over 77.5, something that I looked at here for Chicago. And save some time with this one, I think. The Pittsburgh Pirates, 68.5, their win total, 250-1 to to win the World Series, 30-1 to to win the division. We had a bit of a difference of opinion on this one on Gil Alexander's Megapod, which you can check out 
on my Twitter handle at skating tripods on gills at beating the book through vcin.com, wherever you get your podcast content. The other guys, Sporer and, and Weingarten, were a little bit higher on the on the Pirates than I am. I I do not like that JT Brubaker is out already. I don't like – one of the primary reasons that Mitch Keller had a better year last year was the highest ground ball percentage of his career. That's not ideal when you talk about the rule changes for this season. I don't think much of I – mean, Rich Hill is an average pitcher. I don't think anything of Vince Velasquez. Maybe Roancy Contreras and Johan Oviedo – will be guys that pitch up to their potential this season. Maybe this rotation is just a lot better. But the bullpen is really depth shy. The lineup is quite pedestrian. O'Neill Cruz hits the ball hard, but he still strikes out a lot. They did bring in some veteran guys, and I think G-Man Choi could be a really quality player. If you got a late fantasy draft or something like that, that's a guy that could perform well here uh, in kind of a run-producing role. But I don't really think the Pirates are all that good. And that brings me to the Cincinnati Reds with a season win total of 65 and a half, 60 to one to win the Central, 200 to one to win the World Series. Some books out there may be offering a head to head prop with the Reds and the Pirates for season wins. I don't see a three win difference between these two teams. In fact, I actually like the Reds to go over 65 and a half. Didn't bet it. This is one I may again bet right before opening day. There are some concerns, obviously, Joey Votto coming off of a major injury in his age 39 season, but Jonathan India was hurt last year. He should be better. They bring over Will Myers, another guy, if you're in a fantasy league and you got a late draft, Will Myers goes from Petco Park to Great American Ballpark. Massive park factor difference for him. There's a good chance he hits 30 homers this season if he's in Cincinnati for the full year. Should see his numbers jump up a little bit in general. Tyler Stevenson, the catcher, played really well last year. Jake Fraley is a guy with some power. Uh, I don't know if Will Benson, who they acquired from the Guardians, is, is going to do much. But if he gets on base, he's a really interesting guy because he's like 6'5", and his stride is like 12 feet at a time. So he may be able to steal some bags. Uh, Spencer Steer, one of their top prospects, makes the cut this season. But the upside for the Reds is Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and Graham Ashcraft, the big three in their starting rotation. If those three guys stay healthy, Big if. I expect this team to exceed expectations. The reason why I haven't bet their overseason win total yet is because I don't know if those guys will stay healthy. Young arms without a proven track record of, you know, going out there and throwing 150, 160 high stress MLB innings. I just don't know. You know, Hunter Green last year, 125 and two thirds, uh, but he looked really good when he came back from the injury uh, in late September. Nick Lodolo, 103 and a third, did have 12 and two thirds in the minor leagues, but he only made 19 MLB starts. Graham Ashcraft, 105 innings at the major league level, 38 and a third at the minor league level. So that's a guy that's maybe a little bit more durable. He's a big dude, 6'2", 240, but he throws a 98 mile per hour cutter. There's a lot of raw tools in this rotation for the Reds. The bullpen is suspect, as you would expect for a team with a low win total, but I, I do kind of like the Reds here. It's just, again, to me, it's a matter of if one of Green, Lodolo, or Ashcraft get hurt, you can deal with it. If two of them get hurt, there's no starting depth for this Cincinnati Reds team. So that's why I haven't pulled the trigger on that one yet, but we'll see. I mean, it may just come down to trying to bet them you know, a little bit early on in the season while I know Green, Lodolo, and Ashcraft are pretty healthy, or at least as healthy as they're going to be throughout the course of the season. 
One division left to go here, and that's the National League West, where you got the Dodgers. Season win total 95.5, minus 110 to win the division. 850 to win the World Series, 425 to win the National League pennant. You know, I, I wrote in my preview over at vcin.com about how bored I was with writing Dodgers season previews. They were going to win 100 games. They had an all-star team, but the season would be defined as whether or not they won the World Series, and that was it. And, you know, they still only have the one World Series during the COVID-shortened year that a lot of people put an asterisk on. Personally, I don't because a lot of teams had to overcome a lot of bullshit during that COVID season. I get it. You want to see them win a World Series in a full year. I don't know if this will be the year. You know, you look at this lineup, and and it's very top-heavy. I mean, Mookie Betts is an elite player. Freddie Freeman is an elite hitter. Will Smith is a very, very good offensive catcher. We'll see if Max Muncie bounces back a little bit. But they got two guys, and J.D. Martinez and David Peralta in the middle of this order, guys on the wrong side of 35 that they're hoping for bounce backs from. Trace Thompson has never been a full-time major leaguer. Miguel Rojas is a glove-first kind of guy. He's not much with the bat. Maybe Miguel Vargas ends up hitting. Maybe James Outman ends up hitting. Both those guys making the team. Maybe Michael Bush comes back up and hits at some point. The injury to Gavin Lux really hurt this team because it hurt the depth of their starting lineup. They really only run five or five and a half-ish deep now instead of running seven or eight deep with that injury to Lux. So that's a big concern, I think, for this Dodgers team. The rotation should still be good. You know, I mean... I don't know what to expect from Dustin May, who I think is kind of the wild card of this group. And will Clayton Kershaw stay healthy is a question we have to ask every single year. Tony Gonsolin will be back. It was just a sprained ankle. It's not an arm thing or anything like that. He'll probably be back late April, early May. There's something about the Dodgers that I don't love, though. And that brings me to the San Diego Padres here. Their season went to 93 and a half, plus 120 to win the West, 950 to win the World Series here. I don't know if the price is quite good enough at plus 120 because, I mean, this is largely a two-horse race in the division. But I think when you look up and down on paper, I think San Diego has the better roster between the two teams. You you bring in Xander Bogarts, that's nice. I have no idea if Matt Carpenter will do anything of consequence. But you've got a full year of Juan Soto now. you you got Manny Machado locked up. You've got Fernando Tatis Jr. coming very soon. He'll be eligible to return April 20th. This lineup looks exceptionally good. And this lineup actually runs one through nine, as opposed to the Dodgers, who I think run one through five, one through six in that range. And you look at the Padres rotation, and Joe Musgrove is still out right now, and it'll be a little bit before he comes back. But Hugh Darvish, solid. Blake Snell, solid, at least the first two times through. Michael Waka, good depth addition. You know, Nick Martinez and Seth Lugo, we'll see. Guys that, you know, have kind of primarily relieved, uh, or at least have found success being relievers. But this bullpen is outstanding. This may be the best bullpen in baseball. And that really matters to me from a season win total standpoint because you get a lot of reliever attrition throughout the course of the season. I think the Padres are really well equipped to withstand that. So I don't know if I want to invest in plus 120. But I do think the Padres win this division this year. I think they are actually better than the Los Angeles Dodgers. So it's kind of tough for me to lock up for six months on something like a division future like that at plus 120. I'd rather have 
the margin for error of a season win total bet or something like that. But we'll see. I think I think at least if, if I find a buy point on the Padres, maybe I can find a plus 150 if the Dodgers start hot, something like that. That may be what I look to do here. Try to speed this up a little bit. Don't want to go too long with this show. Giants season win total 81 and a half, 60 to one to win the World Series, plus 950 to win the West. This is an under bet for me on their season win total with the Giants. I talked on the previous show, the American League preview, about teams that are set up well for the rule changes. Cleveland, Houston, Toronto, teams like that. The Giants are not set up well for the rule changes at all whatsoever. First of all, they're not that great of an offense. So that's part of it. But the bigger part of it to me is they've got a lot of ground ball guys on this pitching staff. They led all of baseball and ground ball percentage last year. A lot of their relievers tend to be ground ball guys as well. And they lost one of their big strikeout guys in Carlos Rodon. So this is a scenario where I think the Giants, who are a bad defensive team, they were awful last year, and they don't look a whole lot better this year. I think this is a case where the rule changes negatively impact the team in such a way that I bet their season win total under. So Giants under 81 and a half is a play for me. I don't love the depth of, of this lineup. I The starting rotation could be good. But again, I mean, they're dependent on the defense. And I don't love that in a post-shift world. So Giants under 81 and a half, a play for me. A team that's gotten a lot of run and a lot of love and a team that is well-equipped for the rule changes is the Arizona Diamondbacks. Their season win total sitting out there at DraftKings at 75 and a half, 45 to one to win the West, 170 to one to win the World Series. The Diamondbacks are set up very nicely for these rule changes. They have a lot of guys that don't strike out. They have a lot of guys that steal bases. They have guys that have 10 to 20 home run power and a lot of them. And I think kind of a low key injury that helps the Diamondbacks is that Carson Kelly went out with a fractured arm because now Gabriel Moreno, who they got from Toronto in the Dalton Varsho deal, will be the everyday catcher. And I think his offensive upside is quite a bit higher than Carson Kelly's. So this actually may be addition by subtraction for the Diamondbacks. The depth of the rotation is the scary part. Zach Gallen is great. Merrill Kelly is very good. Madison Bumgarner and Zach Davies are not. But Ryan Nelson probably makes the rotation here. Um, we should see Brandon fought pretty quickly. I would say Dre Jamison is another guy that, that should wind up, um, being on this roster sooner rather than later as well. So there are some guys, he may even actually make it as a, as a reliever here from what I'm looking at on roster resource. So there's a lot to like about this team and the direction that they're going. I still don't like the bullpen and that concerns me, but some people I respect are on over 75 and a half and I can't blame them for that. Finally here, the Colorado Rockies season win total 65 and a half, 180 to one to win the division, 500 to one to win the World Series. Neither of those numbers are long enough for this team. Look, the song remains the same for the Rockies. They'll hit at home. They won't hit on the road. They won't pitch at home. They might pitch a little bit on the road. That's it. That, that's just the handicap for this team. And I wrote extensively about that in the team preview over at the website. Herman Marquez might be traded this year. You know, the rotation is very bad, very pitch to contact heavy, ground ball heavy as well. Don't like anything about it. Don't like the bullpen. Brandon Rogers is out for the year with a, a torn labrum. Sean Bouchard, who actually showed a little bit of promise last year. He's out with surgery, uh, bicep surgery. I think he ruptured a bicep, tore a bicep, something like that. There's nothing to like about this Colorado team. And 
you know, the ban on the shift doesn't really help them either. It, it's tough to be an outfielder in Colorado because obviously the ball carries in the thin air, but also it's just a big spacious outfield. But now when you have more balls getting through the infield that could end up going all the way to the wall, going down in the corner or something like that, I just don't think there's anything to like about this Rockies team. That being said, I couldn't bet under, under 65 and a half. I generally don't bet extreme win totals anyway, but they're a team that has such an advantage at home because they're used to the conditions that typically they have a 500 or better record at home while being absolutely atrocious on the road. So that's just kind of the MO for the Rockies here. So we'll be able to find more spots, I think, on a game-by-game standpoint than looking at anything in the futures market with them. But just not much to like about this team. They've got a very small analytics department. They have no idea which end is up with those uh, people in the in the front office. It's a mess, and I don't see it getting better anytime soon. And yet, this team won 68 games last year. So couldn't get there with under 65 and a half, but I will be looking to fade the Rockies at several points throughout the course of the season here. As I said on Wednesday, we'll do another edition of VSIN Daily Baseball Bets, looking at some betting tips, some things you can look at in terms of getting ahead of the line movement, how I kind of handicap on a day-to-day basis. That'll be my primer for opening day coming up on Thursday when the daily article kicks off, which will again be Monday through Saturday over at VSIN.com. VSIN Daily Baseball Bets, Monday through Friday here on the show. Rate, review, subscribe, get it wherever you get your podcast content. Share it with your friends, family, fantasy league, whoever you want to share it with. We certainly appreciate it here. And make sure you go back and listen. Last Friday, I talked about the rule changes and did that AL preview on Monday. So thanks for listening, everybody, to this edition of VSIN Daily Baseball Bets. I'm your host, Adam Burke. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.